Well, if you're new here today, I just want to welcome you, uh, but you're kind of jumping into like the middle of a sermon series right now that we've been going through over the last four weeks prior. We've been, we've been in the middle of uh, the Connected series where we've been going through our vision, our mission, our values of our church, and really kind of seeing the foundation of what drives us, what keeps us together, and really what, what uh, brings us into the future. And so I'm going to do a little bit of a pop quiz this morning. So if you're brand new today or have just been with us a week or two, you're kind of off the hook. But some of you, uh, most of you have heard this four times already. So we're going to try this out and see first. What is the vision of our church? Three of you know. Okay. This is why we go over it every week. Vision of our church is to be a place to... Connect. All right, I have a feeling we'll do better with the next one. So the mission of our church is threefold. It is to... Okay, and if you were, are new and that was all garbly gook to you, uh, that is to connect with God, connect with others, and to connect others with God. And so really it's all about connection is what, what our vision and our mission is of this, of this church that's talking about relationships, that we're connected with God, connected with others, connecting others with God. Now we have nine core values of our church. This is where I'll be more impressed if we can get online at least. But let's try this here. The values of our church are? Okay, I heard prayer. Good. Yeah. Fellowship. We're kind of jumping around here. Biblical foundation, we're kind of getting there. That's pretty good. Uh, so we're going to go straight to it here to kind, of, to kind of look at this. The values are what really drive our mission. It's the foundation of what we stand on. And our values are prayer, worship, biblical foundation, fellowship, discipleship, Christian unity, which we spoke about last week, Christian service, which we're going to talk about this week, and then local outreach and global missions. All of this is to be a path that we follow, and we call that kind of our discipleship path. So our mission is also our discipleship path. That the very first and most important thing for anyone to do, the most important relationship in their life, is their relationship with God. And that's what is at the forefront of all we do, is to make sure everyone has that personal connection, that personal relationship with God. And then next is that we build our relationships with one another, through fellowship, discipleship, and Christian unity, that, that the furthest extent of that now is that we're helping others build a relationship with God, connecting others with God. And this becomes this cyclical, exponential discipleship path that we just keep doing over and over and over and over again until there's no more disciples to be made, which means that the whole world is saved. So we've got a lot of work to do. There's a lot for us to get behind as a church, and we're a part of God's great mission for the world, which is that everyone would know Jesus. So we have three goals that we've been kind of getting behind as we go through this, just to kind of focus our attention, attention on specific things. So let's do another quiz here. What's the first goal for all of us this year? To give them 10. Give them 10 minutes a day. And that's really talking about Bible study and prayer, devotional time with God, this, this personal time to connect with God every day. And we've been talking about this, just some simple ways is downloading a Bible app or doing a Bible reading plan or, or finding a Bible reading partner, but something to hold you accountable to this goal. And I promise you, if you spend 10 minutes a day in Bible reading and prayer, your life will be drastically different. It will improve your life. It will improve your spiritual life and your connection with God. The second goal is 
Getting together. Yeah, and this is just talking about connecting with each other through various connections groups we have, Bible studies, small groups, connections hour, youth group. Um, We want two out of every three regular attenders to be plugged into some kind of connections group. And the third goal, I'm just giving it to you here because I don't want us to mess this one up. We want to reach 200 people this year with the gospel. And this is a church-wide effort. So every regular uh, attender of, of MPCC, we're asking you to be in prayer for one person that you can share the gospel with this year, at least one person. And we believe this to be an important part of our uh, work as a church, our mission to connect others with God. And so starting next week, that's going to be our focus for a few weeks in a row, is reaching 200, this, this idea of evangelism and, and missions and sharing the gospel. But as I said, today's topic is, is, is on the area of connecting others with God, but it's in a very specific sense of Christian service. Now, Christian unity and Christian service are very much connected to one another. In fact, we're going to just pick up where we left off last week as we talked about Christian unity in Ephesians 1, uh, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. We're going to keep continuing in that in Christian service this week. But unity really is kind of the theory, the, the why we do what we do, whereas service is the how. It's the practice. So we're moving from theory into practice this week. And unity, as we said, is, is kind of a core part of the church. We can't be successful with each other, or successful as a church unless we're united with each other. And so just a couple quick announcements uh, on, on the idea of unity is, is a, a couple of cool things that have been happening as we look to being unified with the area churches, the West Metro churches. So as you, as you know, uh, as, as you've heard and seen in the bulletin, we have a West Metro community worship night coming up right here on March 5th. So that's at 6.30, uh, two weeks from now, March 5th. It's going to be eight to ten uh, churches coming together right here in our sanctuary to worship together that night. There's been three of these that have already happened at other churches, and they are incredibly powerful. So I encourage you to, to be here and be a part of that. Uh, the other is this, that, that for better, the better part of two years, we've been gathering on Thursday mornings as we kind of cycle through the different churches to just have believers come together and pray Thursday mornings at 7. So we're hosting that this Thursday as well, right here, 7 o'clock now, I did see in the forecast that we are going to have between 1 and 85 inches of snow. So, again, that there's a pin in that. And if, if the Wednesday night program gets canceled, we'd also cancel that, that Thursday morning prayer time. But, but any Thursday morning, there's a schedule that's uh, in your bulletin. We invite you to go to those things. But, yeah, that's unity. That's the theory of why we do what we, we do. And now we go into the practice of that. And I'll keep this short before we read this, because we have a lot to really dig through today in in this text. But the bottom line, the bottom assumption is this. God has equipped you and called you to something. Okay, that's the biblical foundation here. God has equipped you and called you to do something. And that something is can have eternal impact for someone else. Okay, that something he's called you to could be the difference between heaven or hell for another person. So this is a heavy burden to carry. But here's the good news. We're all called to that, and we all do it in partnership with one another. 
This is a team approach. But the reality is that we all work together in this, this big, uh, big service that God has for us, that you're uniquely, you're intentionally made, you're placed with a purpose, but none of us are more important than the other one. All of us work together in harmony, and there's one that's more important than us, who is the head overall. That is Christian service, and that's what we're going to be discussing today. But if you're not already open to Ephesians 4, go ahead and flip there. I'm just going to pray for us real quick before we read this this morning and dive in on this topic. So God, we thank you for the church. We thank you for all that you've given us and, and the reality that we can be gathered together here today for something, someone that's so much greater than us. And God, that takes a lot of pressure off of us, knowing that you are, in fact, the head, the power, the authority, and you've simply entrusted in us all that you would like for us to do. So I pray for all of us today, personally, I pray for every person here, that your Holy Spirit would truly be speaking to them on a personal level of knowing that they have great value for the kingdom, that you have equipped them, and that you have a plan and a purpose for them that is incredibly important. And so, God, with that realization, I pray that you would move us into action, into service for you and, your, for, and for your kingdom, that we could do it with joy, we can do it with hope and anticipation of all you have yet to do. But, God, we thank you for all the ways that you've worked in this. So as we read this today, God, I, I do pray for that, that we would come at this idea of Christian service with a sense of joy and optimism and hope. Uh, rather than a sense of just sheer duty, but, God, that we would love to serve you with our lives and our gifts. And so, God, we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read together Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says... When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God who became mature and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I just want to focus on those last few words. <clears throat> in all of this, we see that, that we're part of something much bigger than ourselves, of which Christ is the head. But all of this becomes possible. All that God has in store for the church becomes possible 
as each part does its work. All of you are a part of that body. You're a part of God's plan and his purpose for the church. All of you have something God desires for you to serve in. But as we go through this, I think there's one important part to start before we understand all of the rest, is that we serve only by God's provision. Can we see this kind of alluded to in in verse 7 as he's moving out of theory and into practice? He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. And essentially what he's saying here is all of this is possible because of God's grace. We're able to be gifted and serve because God has given us a gift. He has given us his grace. And he quotes Psalm 68, which talks about Jesus, that when he ascended, he, took, he gave many gifts to his people. And and many would say this is a foreshadow of the Pentecost, that that he left for us the Holy Spirit and that he gave us these spiritual gifts that make the acts of service possible. And so the, the concept we're really seeing here is spiritual gifts, which is said straight out in other parts of the scripture, but it's definitely what he's referring to here. And, and just the, the, the word spiritual gifts actually is more directly translated as gifts of grace. Everything is possible because of God's grace. So none of us deserve the gifts we've been given. But Christ has apportioned it to us as he saw fit through his grace. So nobody is special, so special that God decided he should probably gift them. We're special because God gifts us. And he does kind of go on this kind of side tangent. I'm just going to touch on it because it might be confusing to some of you. As to why is he talking about this ascension and the descension and all that stuff? Well, Paul was a very gifted teacher. And so he took this moment to kind of say, hey, uh, Church of Ephesus, you've kind of been struggling with your theology on Jesus, and they weren't really kind of grasping the humanity of Jesus. So this is his way of saying, see, it said right there in the Psalms that you know, that Jesus was just as much human as he was God. But then he goes back to this idea of grace, that Christ himself appoints these people in the church. There's another portion of scripture that says it a little more straight out. In Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, he kind of goes through the same analogy and he starts it with the idea of grace. So this is one where Paul kind of just hits you right between the eyes with what he's trying to say here. Romans 12, 3. That for the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself in sober judgment. In other words, get over yourself. You're not as important as you might think you are. The only reason you could be important and impactful in the church is because God made you that way. Because all of this is an act of his grace. God does not need us for Christian service. God chooses us for Christian service. And I'll tell you right now that if you become very proud in what God has called you to do and think of yourself as as so crucial for God that he would fail without you, well, God has a way of humbling the proud. 
Just read through the book of First and Second Kings and read through the book of Judges. There's all these people that God had entrusted to do things, and they got pretty high on themselves, and they were replaced. So I'm going to have you repeat something with me here. <clears throat> I am replaceable. Let's say it together. I am replaceable. And you're saying, well, Dominic, you are not gifted as a motivational speaker. But that's the baseline here, is that God doesn't need us. And if you become too proud of yourself and your own abilities and the gifts that he gave you, you are replaceable. God will humble the proud. All of this has to be seen through the lens of grace. That we're able to do what we do only because God allows us to do it. We serve by God's provision. And we see that kind of spelled out here in, in verse 11 and 12 as he kind of comes back from that little side tangent. He says, so Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. What you see up front is kind of like this list of like the upfront people, right? The people who probably receive way more credit than they really uh, are, are deserve. But it's the people who, who are seen in, in public and in, in kind of these, these upfront type positions. But the whole point of this is not so they can feel important, but to equip the people for works of service to understand the bigger picture. But all of this is understood through the very uh, the, the, the first four words there. So Christ himself gave these things. That's where I understand me as a pastor, one of the people who's on on this list, I'm replaceable. I'm only here because God equipped and called me to do this. But if I'm too proud of myself, there's literally thousands of other people that could do this if God himself calls them to do it. All of this is possible. No matter what act of service you do is possible only because of God's provision. No matter how you're gifted, you didn't create it, you didn't choose it. God gave it, you discovered it, you used it, and he grew it. The overarching thought here is that everything we do as Christians is covered in God's grace. And only God can provide what you need to be successful in what he calls you to do. So be completely dependent on him. So when we look at spiritual gifts, it brings a lot of questions up. And so we're going to take just a moment to jump out of Ephesians and look at the bigger picture, the bigger biblical picture of what's going on here. You might ask, what are the spiritual gifts? Well, I took kind of the four major portions of the, of, the first, uh, of the New Testament and put them all on one page here. And we're not going to go through all of these things. I did this as an illustration to show that there are a lot of different spiritual gifts. And this isn't even all of them. There's a lot of other arguments of what spiritual gifts could be. But you see a whole range of things on these lists from encouragement to faith to prophecy to wisdom to evangelism, to service. The gifts are very diverse. And what we understand is that God uses all of these gifts, all the ways he gifts us, together in beautiful harmony and unity. That no one person is gifted exactly like another. And what I see is is that gifting, our personal gifting, is kind of like fingerprints or DNA. 
It really is unique to us. But all of it was incredibly on purpose by God. He gifted you specifically for where he is planning to call you and place you. So we have many different kinds of spiritual gifts at play here. So when we say spiritual gifts, it can mean a lot of different things. But what do we know about the spiritual gifts? Again, biblically, what are the, the big points of spiritual gifts? Well, the, the first is this. And we read this in 1 Peter 4, among other places, that every believer is gifted in some way. So if you say here today, I'm not gifted, biblically that's false. God has gifted you in some way. 1 Peter 4.10 says that everyone has received a gift. And so we are to use it to serve one another. So immediately upon your salvation, when you become a new creation in Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you become gifted at that moment with something for acts of service. Now granted, a lot of times these gifts need to be discovered. They need to be used and and nurtured. and, And sometimes it takes a while to figure out what those gifts are, but... Every believer is gifted. You might say, how do I know what I'm gifted with? That's probably what I hear most often. And, and, and I wish that once you became a Christian, God would just like put like a stamp on your shoulder and give you like a breakdown of your gifting list and, and what you're good at, what you're supposed to do. It doesn't quite work that way. And so one, one advice I give to many people is just start serving. Start, just start doing something and then kind of see. You'll, you'll know pretty quickly if you're gifted or you're not at certain things. And the only way to know if a ship floats is if you push it out to sea, right? So you just kind of have to start trying things. And, and with that, you kind of start seeing, like, you can evaluate yourself, but are others encouraging you in things? And one of the things uh, I, I, had, I received a lot of, which was important to me early on in, in my ministry, is, is I wasn't sure what I was gifted in. But people began encouraging me and saying, hey, Dominic, like, you're doing well in this area. I, I think you should keep going in that area. And that's the importance of believers when we talk about encouraging one another. Is if, if someone's doing a good job and they're gifted, tell them that. Because they probably need to hear it. But look for the encouragement of others. And, and look for these, these areas of need that kind of intersect with your passions and, and your desires. That's probably a place you're called to. Now, another simple way, and, and these things are not bomb-proof. Uh, I always kind of take it and you leave it as like a spiritual gifts test. And there's like a billion of them available online. The one that I've used a couple times that I feel is good and you don't get inundated with spam and everything afterwards, it's gifts test. So that's plural, giftstest.com. It's very biblically based. I've taken it a few times and, and it keeps telling me uh, over the years that my top gifts are teaching leadership, pastorship. So I'd say it's probably pretty accurate. Um, But Mandy's taken that test, and I feel like it very well described her. But take that test and then talk to a staff member or an elder and figure out where you might be able to serve. But that's where you can just talk with other people and find wisdom through the counsel of many. But we don't always know how we're gifted. It can be hard to tell, but the biblical truth is that you are gifted. Everyone is gifted with something. And when I look at the way this all works, I kind of have an analogy of a puzzle for this. Is that when you look, when you look at a puzzle, every piece has 
form. It has function. It's created for a specific place. Now, is this a puzzle? Yes. Is this what a puzzle was created to do? No. Puzzles were created for all of the pieces to be in their place. And so I look at the church as the same way. We have a bunch of people gathered in a room today. We're all gifted with a purpose and a reason, but just gathering them in in one room together doesn't necessarily make us a church. What makes us a church as God intended us for us to be is that everyone is in their place doing what they're gifted and called to do. So this next picture I'm going to call uh, my OCD test. So I'm going to put that up. I see a few of you twitching a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you found it yet. There's one piece missing, right? Is this what the puzzle was meant to be? No. Once you find it, you can't stop seeing it. There's one piece that isn't there. And that's what we have the, uh, the danger of saying is, I'm just a small piece of the thousand-piece puzzle. What's the big deal if I'm not there, if I'm not plugged in in the spot I'm supposed to be? Well, we know that, that if one piece of the body suffers, all of it suffers. All of us are meant to be in a certain area. And when that one thing is not there, that one person is not there, you begin to notice. But even more dangerous than that is this trying to shove in a piece that just doesn't fit. And so we're all gifted in a specific way, which means there are ways we are not gifted. Okay, when you go into a place that you are not gifted, it becomes more dangerous because not only are you trying to wedge into a place that you don't fit, but now you're preventing someone else from going there. Now, my son, who's now five, went through a puzzle phase, and I remember when he was four... He had like a 10-piece puzzle he was working on by himself. And he was getting really frustrated. And he's like, Dad, I need help. And I come over and he's like, I can't find where this piece goes. It won't fit anywhere. And I look and then there's like three spots, there are three puzzle pieces that are just kind of like wedged in there, kind of funny. And it's just like, it sort of fits in there. We're just going to stay at. He couldn't find the spot because the spot it was supposed to go was already used by a, by a piece that wasn't meant to be there. And that's how it can work in the church body, is is knowing everyone is gifted, but nobody is gifted in every way. That's the second big idea here, is that we're gifted in different ways. Which means, in lesser words, you're going to be bad at certain things. And that's okay. Now, we have an amazing staff here, but I can tell you, after one week of me being a youth pastor or children's ministry director we would not have those ministries anymore. I'm not gifted in that way, and I'm aware of that. But we are all uniquely gifted with purpose and with reason. So 1 Corinthians 12 kind of spells this out a bit more. This is probably the biggest portion of Scripture. Really, all of 1 Corinthians 12 talks, talks about Christian service and how we plug in with one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. Paul writes, There are different kinds of gifts, but there's the same Spirit that distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. So basically, we're all going to be incredibly different from one another in how we're gifted. 
But God is behind it all. And he intended it to be that way exactly. We're, we're gifted in different ways. And he uses this analogy of the human body, of how there's many different parts of the body, right? And each of them has specific uh, functions and purposes. The human body is like the church. And so in verses 12 through, uh, 12 through the end of the chapter, he kind of, you could say he fleshes that out. Yeah, okay, no one got that one. He fleshes it out, and he, he talks about some dangerous things in the body. As we know, we're all gifted in different ways. And the first is, is to know that we are, are very diverse, but we have the same purpose and the same function. It's a big body, but with many small, specific parts. Verses 15 through 20, he says that no part of the body should be undervalued. And that's where the, the foot says to the hand, well, I'm, I'm no hand, you know, I I'm a foot. I don't have like fingers and thumbs. I can't open a pickle jar if I wanted to. I don't belong to the body, right? The ear says, well, I'm no eye. I can't, I don't know what colors are. I couldn't tell you uh, what direction things are, are coming from or depth perception. I, I have no place in the body. And we can do the same thing as we understand we're gifted in different ways of like, well, I'm not a public speaker. I'm not, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a leader. I have no place in the body. But as, as we read in verse 18 from that chapter, that God has placed all of the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. We're all gifted differently. But no matter how you're gifted, it is incredibly on purpose and with purpose. Now the next one we're going to go through is a little bit quicker here. We're gifted in differing amounts. So, both me and Mandy are gifted in the area of teaching, but one of us is gooder at it than the other. <laughs> There's going to be different people who are called to the same things, but it's going to come in differing amounts, either because God gave a different amount, or you've just nurtured that gift to a different level. But I got some really good advice early on in my ministry, as I was talking to one of my uh, mentors, this is back when I'm in college, and as comparing myself against other people, is like, I'm just never going to be as good as, as so-and-so. He looked me in the eye and he said, Dominic, no matter where you go, no matter how much you develop, no matter what you do, there will always be someone better than you. And I've held on to that, and it's taken a lot of pressure off myself over the years. But that's the reality, is like we're going to have differing amounts of gifts as we go through this. Romans 12, 6, we have different gifts, but according to the same grace given to each of us. That means according to the, like how much God has, has blessed you with that. Serve with what you have. The, the next thing we know is that we're going to be expected to use our gifts. God gives them to you. He entrusts them to you for a reason. Matthew 25 really is the parable of the talents, as many of us probably know. It's, it's this idea that this master is going away on a long journey, and he leaves behind a bag of gold or of differing amounts to each of his servants. And they're to put that to work, and they're to multiply that. And the, the one who gets five bags of gold multiplies it. The one who gets three bags of gold multiplies it. And the, and, the, and the master comes back and says to both of them, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful with what I gave you. But there's one who only got one bag of gold. And I'm sure he kind of looked at that and thought, Well, I didn't get much. This is kind of worthless. And he just buried it in the ground. And when the master came back, 
he was not so kind to that servant. He called him wicked. He called him lazy. And he casts him in the shadows. And the point of that parable is, is that Jesus was preparing his disciples for the fact that he was going to be going away for a while. That he ascended to heaven. And that while he was gone, he was going to give them something to use, to invest in the kingdom. And they were to use it. Now, Jesus is still ascended to heaven, which means he has entrusted us with the same things, with the same expectations. We're expected to put our gifts to use. And the last one is this. That no matter how you're gifted, no matter what you're gifted with and how much, we all use them for the same purpose. We use them for the edification of the body and the glorification of God. We're not to use them for ourselves. God has blessed you for a specific reason and for a specific person, or for a specific purpose. So I'm going to have you repeat with me again. This is going to be better. I am uniquely gifted by God for his specific purposes. Say it again. I am uniquely gifted by God for his specific purposes. Now, I'm not telling you that. God is telling you that. That's the truth for all of us. And I'm going to bring us back into Ephesians 4 as we wrap this up today. We serve for God's purposes. And we see that here as we continue in verses 12 and 13. That God has appointed specific people for specific tasks. That the body of Christ, that to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We serve and we are gifted not for us, but for others and for God. We serve so that the, the body may be built up. And what we see here is this idea of mutual edification. That is, we serve with the gifts we've been given, like I empty myself out before you, as you empty yourselves out for me, that I may be built up as I built up you. We build up one another to be reached this unity in the faith and the knowledge of Jesus, that we can become mature and attain the whole measure of Christ's likeness. I love that because it really explains why we do our ministries as a church, why we do what we do in missions, why we do what we do as a global universal church. Our ministries aren't designed so that we can make social connections. Our ministries aren't designed that people can exercise their personal interests and their hobbies. Our, our ministries aren't designed so that anyone can feel more important. Our ministries are designed that we can receive Christ to continue in him, and to be more like him. Everything we do is to know Jesus and to be more like him. That's the base of Christian service, is to help people know Jesus and be more like him. The purpose of spiritual gifts is so much bigger than us. It's for God and his kingdom. And lastly, as we wrap up in the text today, is that we understand we serve only through God's power. That we will grow to become 
in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Now this is one of those moments where we have to understand as a church, Maple Plain Community Church is a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. Jesus is the boss. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the head of the church. And we are now just jumping in in the year 2023 of something that started 2,000 years prior. And it has been successful. It has continued. It has grown only because Jesus is the head of that church. And will continue in that mission that he has created. Jesus is the head. And we serve through his power and under his authority. In the last verse, we see that he shares that power with us. That the only way we have the strength to serve is if God gives us that strength, fills us and sustains us. That from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that's me and you. I don't like to think of myself as a ligament, uh, but that's what we are. We're holding each other together. We grow and we build ourselves up in love as each part does its work. From him, Jesus, the whole body grows and builds itself up. The only way we can be successful and remain successful as a church is if Jesus is the head. And everything we do is to, to be dependent on him. Now, I saw uh, recently there was a, um, something I read that, that the, 40, or sorry, the 10 most influential churches of Minnesota in the 1940s, that they identified them in the 1940s and found out that only one of them existed by the year 2000. Okay, so the church, as I said, that survived for, for 2,000 years, we have these influential local churches that all of them are dead within 60 years. And it's hard to know why, but I have an idea. They lost their dependence on Christ. And the same would happen to us if we don't keep Jesus as the head, if we don't keep him as our source of strength and authority in all we do, we won't be around. Never, ever take your eyes off Jesus. It's not about what we want, but about what he desires. It's not about our ideas, it's about his will. We should be less concerned about what people think of us and more concerned about what they think about Jesus. And don't limit yourself in this, in, in your areas of service, by what you think you can do, but by what you believe God can do through you. He is the head. We are the body. And he'll give us strength and power to complete his purposes. So as we close today, what do we take away? First, if you're, if you're serving, and this means anywhere, not just here, if you're serving, keep serving. No matter what role you're in, keep doing what God has called you to do. If you aren't serving, start looking. and Start maybe exploring the ways God might be gifting you to do something. He has something for you to do. And one way you can see here just in, in our local body of how you get plugged in, we have this ministry handbook, which is a great tool to know what ministries are available, how they work together, who you can talk to if you're interested in that ministry. We have a lot of copies available in the foyer. I encourage you to pick one up and just look through it and see what kind of ministries we have in our church. But I'd say the last thing is this. Remember the big picture. We are a small piece of the puzzle, but we are a piece of the puzzle. 
that we are a part of a great big body that's bigger than us, but we have a specific role and function in it. You are given gifts to do acts of service, but all of it is by his grace and for his glory. So know that you are a part of something bigger than yourself that will last for eternity. Let's close in prayer today. So God, we we do thank you again for the the gift of grace that you've given us in our life and that we can be a part of this big thing. And though it's daunting and, and we understand that there's a lot to do, that there's a whole world of people that need you so desperately. God, we know we don't eat the whole elephant in one bite. That there's one small tangible thing for us to do today that you've gifted and equipped us to, that you've called us to. So God, may we just walk first and foremost, in obedience. That we respond to the situations, the opportunities you give us today. But God, knowing that we are uniquely gifted and enabled by you and your sovereignty and by your grace. So God, inspire us, encourage us, move us into action to be your hands and your feet in this world as we strive to connect more people with you. As we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.